This morning's scripture reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you noticed that most of us do our best to avoid the hard sayings of Jesus, the tough teachings of Jesus that make demands on our lives? We all gravitate toward the comfort passages, the passages about peace, the promises of eternal life, and those are great truths, but we just tend to avoid the unpleasant ones. Somebody said one time that our churches today have padded cushions in the pews, and we also have cushions in our sermons and cushions in our Bible studies. And that's true, isn't it? One commentary I was reading uh, as I prepared this message talked about this passage of Scripture uh, in Matthew 10 having sharp, jagged edges. They sort of poke us, and they prod us, and they don't fit neatly into our little packages. And that's true. Now, we do our best to sand them down, to make them smooth, and to make everything really easy, but it, it really doesn't work. Here's a, a question, a, a scary question, if you're courageous enough on a Sunday morning to confront it. Have you ever thought about how amazing it is that the teaching of, teachings of Jesus always seem to line up with your lifestyle, your choices, and your behavior? By that I mean, isn't it a little bit of a coincidence that the teachings of Jesus never poke, never push us, never pinch us a little bit? Is it that our lives are so in step with the teachings of Jesus? Or is it more likely that we simply avoid the tough teachings of Jesus? I know in my case, it's the latter. It's just easier to not deal with them. Mother Teresa has a great quote on this very subject. She said one time, I sometimes find it very difficult to smile at Jesus because he can be very demanding. Yes, Mother Teresa, I agree with you 100%. Jesus can be very demanding, and it can be very difficult to smile at him sometimes because the teachings are tough. But if you look at this scripture from Matthew 10 carefully, it's not just that Jesus' teachings are tough and demanding. It's that they are contradictory. 
The contradictions in Jesus' teachings uh, are real, and let's be honest, they're maddening. They're frustrating. For example, Jesus in John 14 talked about bringing peace to our hearts. We don't have to be afraid that his peace will overcome all of our fears. He brings us peace like the world cannot give. And yet here in Matthew 10, he says that he doesn't come to bring peace, but he comes to bring war. Jesus, no doubt, believed and supported and obeyed all of the Ten Commandments. And the fifth one being that we are to honor father and mother. And yet in this teaching, he talks about families being divided, families being at odds with one another. Those jagged edges of the teachings of Jesus that are sticking out and that are tough to sand down. But they're important teachings. Whenever I read this very difficult scripture uh, that I read earlier as our text, I often think of uh, conflicting weather fronts that are colliding. Sometimes you look at the weather map and uh, the person presenting the weather will talk about a cold front clashing with a warm front and then the, the chaos and the violence that ensues. When warm air and cold air meet, uh, there are winds and, and there, are, uh, there is lightning and thunder and sometimes hail and sometimes tornado. The violent clashing of fronts. And so I think Jesus was saying that the kingdom that he is bringing, that he embodies in his very life and teachings, the kingdom that he is bringing is so countercultural. It is so different than what the world lives that you can expect clashes. You can expect violence. You can expect storms. Because the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God, is clashing with entrenched evil. So Jesus says very clearly, whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And he's making it very clear that when love meets hate, there will always be a cross. When justice meets evil, there will always be a cross. And where inclusion and true family meets bigotry and racism, there will always be a cross. Isn't that what our country is dealing with now? The clashing of kingdoms, the clashing of cultures. And you see, when we reject the Jesus way, we can be certain that suffering is going to come into people's lives because those two fronts are meeting and the clashing occurs. If you back up and look at this larger section of Scripture, you will see that Matthew chapter 10 is dealing with some teachings of Jesus as he prepares his followers to go out on their first missionary journey. They are nervous, they are excited, they are green, they are new, 
But Jesus is trying to adjust their expectations and warn them. He says, now when you go out sharing my message, sharing my good news, don't expect it to be roses and parades. It's going to be tough. He's preparing them for that clash. He's preparing them for the hard work of rejection. And we forget sometimes when we read the New Testament what it cost the first followers of Jesus to name him and confess him. It cost them their families in some instances. It cost them their possessions, their livelihoods. In some cases, it cost them their lives. We forget sometimes because we read this scripture from a Western, very middle-class kind of perspective, we forget that even today, there are people in the world who can relate to this passage of Scripture because following Jesus has cost them family, has cost them their possessions. One of the joys I have in being a part of the Baptist World Alliance, uh, a network of Baptists from 125 nations and provinces, it's just amazing to rub shoulders with Baptists from all over the world, and some of them tell stories about what it has cost them to confess Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives. Now, this might explain why American evangelicalism is sometimes described as being a mile wide and an inch deep. We are great at spreading the good news of getting new followers of Jesus, but we're not so great at discipling. We are a mile wide and an inch deep. We want comfort without commitment. We want assurance without repentance. But it doesn't work that way. This teaching of Jesus is inviting us to count the cost to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow Jesus. Now, I want to add very quickly, we are not talking here about a works salvation. We're not talking here about trying harder. We're not talking about working our way into God's pleasure, into God's forgiveness. Salvation is by grace. It's by God's gift to us. This scripture is reminding us that we have to let go of self-salvation plans. We have to let go of self-promotion. If we try to save ourselves, Jesus said, we lose ourselves. We have to give up on me first. When we do that, we win, Jesus said. We have to give up on self-trust. When we do that, we win. Give up on self-promotion when we do that, we win because he said, whenever you lose your life, that's precisely when you find it. And so today, I, don't, I want to invite you to walk the Jesus way. I want to invite you to a trusting commitment to Jesus the Lord. To trust him with an openness and a simplicity. But make that trust a committed trust to follow him. And I promise you 
that following Jesus, though it will never be easy, it will always be safe. Never easy, but always safe because he holds us in his mighty hands. God bless you. Let's pray. Today, dear Lord, work deeply in our hearts. Grow us, renew us, and refresh us. Through Christ our Lord, amen. I want to thank you once again for being a part of worship. It's always a joy, and it's my prayer that if you have conversation that you need to have with one of us about what it means to follow Jesus, that you will seek us out through social media or call the church. We'd love to have that conversation. I always want to take a moment and thank you for faithful giving. Just this week, I had a a great meeting with leaders in our church who are monitoring our finances. We are just amazed and blessed at your faithfulness. This summer, you know, we have some really important ministries that are going on in the community despite uh, the pandemic. And so all of your faithful giving is very important and makes it possible. Thank you for that. We are currently in what we call phase two of our plan, which means that we are worshiping only online. But soon, we hope, uh, sometime, we will be moving into phase three. And we have teams that are busy right now doing a great job preparing the sanctuary and preparing a plan for a modified in-person worship just as soon as we believe it's safe to do so. So thank you for your patience. God bless you and have a wonderful day.